0: another amazing musician with me. This is Vince from Fractal Universe, and we're going to be discussing their upcoming album, The Impossible Horizon. Hi, Vince. Nice to have you on the show.
1: Hello. Thanks for having
0: me. (laughs) Yeah, w- when we're recording this, the album is still a few weeks out or a little bit out because it's going to be released on the 25th, right? Uh, but of course, people have already had the chance to listen to a few of the singles. Uh, Symmetrical Masquerade and A Clockwork Expectation have been out for a while with videos and everything. How have the response been to these like early teasers uh, for the album? Are you happy with it?
1: Absolutely. We've got really amazing responses so far. A lot of people were excited by the the saxophone also on the first single. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I haven't read many negative comments so far, although there are always a little bit of of haters everywhere to be expected. Yeah. uh, So far, everything is uh, really positive. So. I'm yeah. And, happy.
0: I, and I guess when you, you sort of view the band has since its beginning really been evolving and, and, you know, changing its sounds gradually a bit. And, and of course you're going to have people, you know, saying that they prefer the earlier stuff. And, and, but I, how does that affect you? Do you, do you care about that or not really?
1: Well, actually I'm pleased that people should- still enjoy the previous work actually yeah. it's a compliment for for us as a band i think and it's great that uh, maybe people have some different favorite songs favorite records or, or anything so i'm quite yeah. happy if that happens
0: it's all good then right so so uh, i want to go back to the beginning you know the, the start of the band because you know a lot You guys are quite well known, but there might be uh, listeners or watchers that don't know you so well. So how and when did the band start out? Can you tell me a little bit about the early history of Fractal Universe? I believe I read that you've been around since 2013, and I know the first EP, uh, Boundaries of Reality, was released in 2015. So uh, how do you feel about that uh, EP now looking back at it, and, and sort of how did you how did fractal universe start
1: so yeah the band started out by uh, with just hugo the guitar player and myself in the beginning it was just like a project to to play in our bedrooms and stuff yeah uh but it became a real band like in late 2014 when we got joined by uh, clement the drummer and valentin the bass player Yeah. And we have, we've had the same lineup ever since. And so this first EP, Boundaries of Reality, was kind of a collection of, of material I wrote earlier in the like 2012, even 13, 14 years of the band. And, um, yeah. So, so these songs came together to make the first EP of the band. Um, looking back on it, um, I'm still happy with the, the songwriting overall. Um, I think it's a good starting point for the band. What I would change through is the production mostly because it was totally homemade and we didn't have a real drummer on the production. It was was like easy drummer and stuff. So that I think could have benefited from a major improvement. But apart from that, I think it's what got the band started. And we played a couple really cool shows with that record. And uh, yeah, as I said, this is how... Fractal Universe became a real band with the ambition of playing live, of making more releases and everything. So yeah, I can look back fondly on it.
0: Exactly. And and, you know, I I, uh, revisited it today uh, before this interview, listened through the EP and I I agree. I think it holds up very well. And it's a a nice snapshot of where you were when you started out as a band, right? Mm, Totally yeah and 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 uh you know uh you mentioned how you guys it was first only you and the the other guitarist, right, so how did you meet up with the rest of the band? how did they get involved in the beginning?
1: Well, uh, Hugo and I have known each other since uh, high school. We attended a lot of shows together. So this is how we met. And then we decided that we had similar music tastes and uh, wanted to to play together. For the other guys, uh, Valentin and I went to Music Academy International, which is a music college in in France, in Nancy. So we met there. And Clément and uh, the rest of us met on some local gigs where we played with our respective bands. And so we had this idea of playing together, but it couldn't happen uh, for like a year or so because then Clément went away for his studies and Valentin <laughs> went back to uh, his uh, uh, former region. Exactly. Uh, but eventually everything fell into place and we managed to, to, to do this whole band
0: Yeah. You know, that's the age of story, age old story of trying to make things work. And then, you know, everybody has their commitments. And then at the end, you manage to get together and actually do stuff. And and you guys have, like you mentioned, have had the same lineup since. So obviously it's working out well for you. I guess you guys uh, work well together and, 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 you know, tour well together. You enjoy each other's company
1: yeah we're also very good friends apart from being bandmates yeah and i think that's helps. that helps and um and yeah we have a uh, similar goals i think we're all really wanting to 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 see the band grow to keep make music and uh, to do as much as we can basically to, uh, to to make the band evolve
0: yeah you know uh i've heard fractal universe uh be described as uh tech death metal band uh by people uh, or mentioned you know in articles or whatever uh do you feel comfortable with that description or how would you yourself categorize the music you're creating
1: well first of all i don't like the word technical death metal that much (laughs) because like i don't like uh i think um, ranking or rating music by its technicality i think yeah it's good if you are a capable musician but technique is only ever like tools to create music and so naming a genre after after that is a bit weird to me and as for the band more specifically i would rather say that we fit in maybe progressive death metal or progressive metal but it's always hard i think to to put names and tags on on stuff and uh, it's always going to be a bit reductive i think
0: yeah i think you're right in that also you know uh for someone who's a music journalist or at least you know like a, a amateur music journalist having all these genres and tags is sort of helpful to make people to find help people find music they might enjoy but at the same time you know it it can be very like pigeonholing uh Mm. if if you're gonna use that but uh, yeah i just i agree with you progressive is is maybe a better term than technical but still you have sort of been lumped in with a lot of these other technical death metal bands right
1: yeah that's true and uh I think we we've been kind of put in the same box as many death metal bands yeah. and uh, that has made us play a lot of shows for example with bands like Cannibal Corpse or or uh, that kind of bands which I think we have less in common than with the progressive metal genre in general so uh, maybe the, the 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 word death metal is not that appropriate after all <laughs> obviously we have some extreme uh, influences on our music yeah. a lot of death metal influences but uh, it's i think there's more to it and maybe the the what's more is more important than than the death metal part itself
0: yeah and uh, we're gonna come back to to that but also of course uh, the vocals the fact that you're using harsh vocals or growls i guess makes people quickly lump you into sort of the death metal box right
1: yeah i think so and uh that's definitely been a huge part of our sound and it still is yeah but uh as you said there's uh there's not only that sir
0: yeah well uh, i want to ask about that you know the 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 songwriting that fractal universe does it's you know it's very layered it's it's complex but at the same time it seems to be have a, a strong focus on melodies and you know all this nice nice mix so how do you guys work when you create new music do you are you the kind of band who work in the rehearsal space together or are you the kind of band who like sends digital files back and forth and you sit in your own home studios i know of course now during this period with the corona a lot of bands who like to get together haven't had the chance but like in an before that or in an ideal world how do you guys work when creating music
1: well actually i'm responsible for uh, like almost everything in terms of composition and uh, what I do is I work at home most of the time with like Guitar Pro uh, and pre productions, where I write out basic- basically all the instruments and send over to the guys something that is pretty close actually to uh, to to the end version of the, the final song in terms of, yeah. of instrumentals. Uh, And what happens then is we discuss like daily details, arrangements, uh, maybe some song structures sometimes. And when everything is settled, we finally go and learn the songs and play them together in the rehearsal room. And then everything might evolve because we have a different feeling by playing the songs live. But uh, usually it's pretty close. It ends up pretty close to to the original pre-productions
0: yeah i i wonder then you know has this been the way you've worked since the beginning or has things changed along the way when you where you are now the sort of the main songwriter for the band
1: no it has always been quite that way there hasn't been much change uh, in the process maybe now the the pre-productions are getting more and more detailed already uh, as opposed to rougher maybe pre-productions in the beginning uh, now i'm getting more confident also at uh, producing music and uh, arranging adding layers and everything so of course that makes it able for me to uh to to give more detailed pre-productions to the guys already i think that helps to really uh so that they understand the the idea of the song as precisely as possible
0: hmm. well i wonder then you know you said that most of the music when you send it to the rest of the band it's more or less the final form for a lot of songs but does it happen that? <laughs> the band comes with feedback that you know majorly changes something has that happened
1: uh yeah that's happened uh i actually one time i think where uh the, the band was not really uh sure about the song and i ended up rewriting keeping some ideas but completely rewriting it and it ended up uh, much better but uh <laughs> on on other cases it's mostly like little details for example yeah. oh this verse uh should be moved somewhere else or so little details like that yeah but sometimes there's also nothing to be changed though so it really depends
0: and i guess also you know you know uh like a, a drummer has like his own you know expertise in drums and and may have IDs, and, and a bass player maybe has IDs, you know for little details they can add or do so i guess that's where the rest of the band Comes in when it uh, talks when we talk about shaping the music. Then,
1: yeah, absolutely. And uh, we try to make these really conscious choices, like uh, when we write, for example, uh, out drum uh, rolls or whatever. Uh, we try to to, to find them to, to match the music as as good as possible. So uh, we might spend a lot of time uh, in the studio or doing pre productions, working on all these little details together.
0: Yeah, you know, uh I wanted to ask about, you know, the songs on the album, uh the last album Rhizomes of Insanity, right? That was released in 2019. So, these the songs on this album, did you start writing that them after that or are are there IDs that are older? What's the oldest and the newest stuff on on the on the album?
1: Um actually our writing process is always kind of similar where I start gathering new ideas around the time where we when we finish producing uh the one that is about to be released, yeah. basically. Because uh writing for me is kind of a process that spans over maybe a year or so, mm-hmm. or even a little bit more sometimes. Uh so basically the first ideas for the Impossible Horizon started emerging, I think, in late 2018 already. Uh, with some songs i don't remember the first ones that i came up with but symmetrical masquerade i think was one of the first yeah and uh the latest song that was finished uh that's quite hard to remember i think clockwork <laughs> expectation was among the latest and it was finished i think like a year later in uh late 2019 or something in yes. terms of the the musical uh pr- composition at least
0: so i'm guessing then that it's it's By the way you're describing it now, it sounds like it's not like you finish one song, like completely finish it and then move on to the next, you're working on several compositions at the same time. And that's why also it might be hard to say when was the last one finished or what was the earliest one to be finished, right? Or.
1: Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, um, I, I like to, to to get myself some some time to uh, to let the songs mature. Also, uh, maybe I get some fresh ideas afterwards, or so we get some ideas from discussing it with the the rest of the band. Yeah. Yeah, as you said, it's not a fixed process, and there are some little details that might change. Uh, also in the the mixing process for example where we decide to add some layers here and there whatever so i, I think it's never completely finished uh only when it uh, finally ends up on the on the record the album, and even yeah. then maybe some details change for live versions as well Exa-
0: exactly exactly and I, i'm actually gonna come back to that because that's kind of interesting with music that are as detailed and and and, you know, challenging as, as the, what you guys do. But uh, I wanted to ask about the recording of the album. Then uh, what was the recording process like? Uh, where did you record and did you have someone, you know, aid you with production, mixing, mastering, that kind of stuff?
1: Well, for the first time, we recorded everything in our own studios. Uh-huh. Uh, as you maybe know, Clement, our drummer, has his own professional recording studio called yeah. Boundless Productions. Where basically he has a, like a, a drum booth and a, a really professional environment where he also records for other bands and other bands come to record. So oh, I see. For the first time, we tracked the drums there, which was really really comfortable because we could take two full days for the sound check, and trying out different uh, different cymbal sets, also different uh, drum skins, and uh, yeah, re- really took the time for the sound check. Yeah. And for the rest, we did it also in our own homes basically. Uh as you can see behind here this is my little uh, home studio I where see, I track yeah. like the vocals, the guitars and the saxophone. And uh as for the uh, the other guys they did the same at home. Hugo tracked his solos at home, Valentine's bass as well. And uh then we worked with our uh, long-time producer Flavien Morel who is based uh, in the same Aria as we are. Yeah. And who has been producing all our records uh since the beginning, except for the EP, where he only did mastering. Mm. But uh I think yeah, it's really comfortable working with him because he knows uh everything about the band now. He knows what we want, how we operate, and uh it's very comfortable because I can be with him for the mixing sessions um mm-hmm. to really discuss all the little details together and that made the whole process from start to finish really comfortable because we are in a perfectly comfortable environment. I think.
0: I think that sounds, you know, that's interesting to me because of course, having the luxury of recording from home and, you know, doing as many takes and as much experimentation as as needed, it must be a nice feeling and but at the same time, I, I know a lot of bands are doing this now where a lot of the musicians have their own home studios, but then they have to go into a studio to record the drums because that setup is a bit more complex for someone to have uh, at home. So it must have been a nice, uh, you know, like you say, experimenting, doing the different cymbal sets and everything. That must have been a a great experience to also have that versatility with the drum recording
1: absolutely because as you said that's also what we did for previous recordings go to a studio to track the drums yeah and then track the rest at our own homes and uh, this time it was uh, as i said yeah, we could take as much time as we needed there was no pressure no rent to pay so <laughs> amazing
0: no time limit for you not seeing your your money run away by the second by any if you want to do something <laughs> different so i understand and, and it's I want to say it's noticeable on the album because it sounds like, to the the last detail, it sounds like you guys have been thinking about this a lot, and you know, and uh, so, so I I I, you know, that's that's noticeable that you guys have spent a lot of time on this and that you could do it exactly like you wanted to, you know, uh, uh, we've talked a little bit about the the musical side of of the Impossible Horizon, but I'd love to talk a, a little bit about the themes and the lyrical side, because I know that you guys work with an, with an external lyricist for a lot of the lyrics, right? So can you please tell me a little bit about, about that process, about this person who's writing lyrics? And...
1: Absolutely. So yeah, we work with a close friend of, of mine who's called Arthur Masso he's a direct um, um, doctor in psychology so he's really uh, passionate about these subjects Mm -hmm. and and, um, he really brings something to the table I think uh, in terms of uh, of, of lyrical quality and he has a very fluid and uh, and poetic way of writing lyrics I think and so for that record uh, it is a concept record that talks about death basically and more specifically about how we humans being Human beings experience uh death the perspective of death uh the perspective that our life is finite and uh that one day it will end and how despite that we manage to give it meaning be it through spirituality through art there are a lot of different ways that people uh manage to, to to find to get around that uh that that thought actually
0: yeah yeah i found that very interesting and also you know the philosophical references to heidegger for instance and mm-hmm. his teachings and thoughts about death and how it sort of colors our entire lives the fact that we are aware of our own mortality so uh how uh, and 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 how do you proceed to bring such a deep concept into the uh music into the lyrics and also does it color the music in a way when you write the music?
1: Actually, it's mostly the other way around. Actually, how a collaboration happens is that uh, I finished the pre-productions we discussed earlier. And I sent over the whole record, basically an instrumental version of it to Arthur. Ah. And then we discuss themes. We discuss what ideas come to mind when listening to the music. And uh, then he really immerses himself in the music and uh, comes up with uh, with his own ideas. We discuss that all together, see how we can basically fit that into a whole concept uh, that has a, like a, a, de- a development, and we try to make that fit musically and lyrically. And then it's like a lot of back and forth exchanges with uh, details in the lyrics and everything yeah. until everything lines up perfectly music and lyrics
0: yeah so but, uh, he's, yeah it's he... mostly
1: the musical uh, atmosphere all the mood in the songs that influences the the lyrical writing Ex- later on.
0: exactly so he's inspired by you know the the feelings the emotions and the the thoughts he gets when listening to the you sort of the instrumental music right
1: yeah exactly and for this record in particular um it might be more diverse uh there is a lot more clean singing on it but i, th- I still yeah. think it's pretty dark in terms of the, the the overall mood there are a lot of mysterious atmospheres and all of that and i think this uh, fits with uh, the concept of death so well because death is a big mystery basically yeah. and uh it's also like really ambivalent
0: yeah and I, I think you're touching on something interesting there because of course uh death doesn't only have to do with, you know, brutality or aggression or whatever. It has a lot to do with melancholy and, you know, sadness and, you know, these feelings of loss, which isn't necessarily represented by, you know, something that's fast and brutal or whatever. So in that way, I can see what you're saying that the album is more uh, diverse means also that it's more in tune with the uh, team that you guys ended up on.
1: Mm-hmm. But uh, as you said, death is not only uh, something aggressive or brutal, dark, yeah, yeah, and uh, and also I think there is a lot of uh, positiveness to be found in uh, in the idea of death. Maybe not in uh, in the fact of experiencing someone you you know to die or whatever, but uh, in the perspective that our time. On earth is basically limited yeah and that we have to to make the best out of it to you know to, to to find meaning to all of that and that's actually a kind of uplifting perspective when you think about it
0: i agree so, yeah. that that is a motivation for you right to, to make the most out of the the time you have here because yeah like you said with the team we we are so aware that it is limited the time so let's let's make the best the best out of it you know i i also want to ask about the co- cover art which i i really love you know it's quite beautiful in a, a bit of an unsettling way um, i was able to find out that the artist is called shad and also i there seem to be some links to the the theme of the album i seem to see a clock in there and what can you tell me about the artwork
1: yeah. Um, first of all, Stade has been the, uh, the mastermind behind all our artworks since yeah. the beginning. So it's another long term working relationship. And for this one, yeah, he really drew inspiration from the lyrics and from the music. And he tried in his work to, to picture like the, the immense diversity of, of death, basically all the possible meanings it could have. So you have that, uh, that overall shape that is basically like a skull which uh, obviously uh, represents death. Then we have the clock. Obviously, you have um, also some little figures uh, that represent uh, the different phases of decaying, basically. And uh, what's very interesting about this artwork as well is that it has a fractal structure. Uh, you can spot ah. some little details. Uh, I think the clock, for example, uh, you can spot it on different positions, getting smaller and smaller. And it's the same thing with uh, the different people. You can spot them uh, on different places of the artwork. So I think it's really cool, especially if you like printed like on a, on a vinyl or a poster, because you can really look at all these little details. it's really amazing i think what he did there
0: yeah i i have to say i love it i've been looking at it and it's like it's something that draws you in and just like you say this is something that luckily vinyl has become much more popular again but to be able to sit down with an album cover like that with a, a vinyl album in a bigger format and really you know listen to the music and enjoy the album cover as well it's really nice and and well you can tell that there's a lot of thought put into the 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 albums and this guy has been doing your uh covers since the beginning right
1: yeah since uh boundaries of reality yeah and uh we have always operated the same way sending him over the lyrics the music and also like an explanation of the the concept of the record, wow. so he really can get everything uh, to to line up with uh, with his own work.
0: I see. So a bit the same uh, sort of process of working, like you do with the lyricist, uh, really. For absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Well, that means you have a, a full product in a way, and something that's you know a, a piece of art that is really thought through in on, in every end. If you are enjoying this interview, please head over to theprogspace.com for more reviews, articles, pictures and interviews all about progressive music. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, theprogspace.com. You know, I, I wanted to go back to something you mentioned in the beginning. You know about the um, you now employing the saxophone on the Impossible Horizon. How did you pick up that instrument, and how did you decide to include the sound in Frackle Universe?
1: Well, actually, the sound was included uh, on our previous records already. Uh, we've had uh, Jorgen Munkeby from uh, Shining yeah. to participate uh, on uh, the, the track Backwards Man. We also had Hugo's father, uh, Jean-Marc Florimont, who played on the two records, actually, uh, Engram of Decline and The Risons of Insanity. So saxophone was always kind of a part of the band. But what happened is that uh, one year and a half ago, I decided to myself uh, start playing the instrument, which was a dream that I had for a long time. And in the beginning, I did it like for fun. I didn't know what to expect if I was going to like the instrument or not. But very quickly, I, I ended up really enjoying it and practicing every single day to uh, to get decent skills on it. And uh, I quickly realized, and I think the other guys really pushed me uh, to do that as well, that I could incorporate it into this record and also into our live shows. And uh, since it had already worked so well with uh, the previous guest who had featured, um, it's, it happened really naturally, actually.
0: Yeah, I... I, I... That was what I was going to go on to. But of course you already answered it. The fact that the the saxophone isn't like a brand new thing with your music. Since you had Shining's uh, Jürgen Munkeby, of course, uh, doing some some, uh, saxophone on a previous album. And also, you know, uh, the dad of uh, of your guitarist uh, adding some saxophone. So was that a big inspiration for you to... When you heard that addition to the album, that was that a part of why you wanted to pick up the instrument?
1: Yeah, it played a huge part in it. But not only. Uh, I'm also a big fan of jazz and fusion, where obviously uh, saxophone plays a huge uh, part. It's like the, exactly. the king <laughs> instrument of these uh, these it's, genres. So it's like the guitar in metal, yeah. Uh, absolutely. so yeah. The instrument always had a held a special place in my heart, I think but yeah hearing the contributions of uh of our two guests previously really showed me the the potential it had basically
0: how did you get in touch with uh Jürgen, by the way uh and how did he uh, why uh how did he uh like um, uh agree to be on the album back then well
1: actually we just uh wrote him an email weren't sure what to expect uh, or anything but we just tried it out because we figured yeah it would be so cool to have a, a different instrument uh, to as a guest on the record and uh, he ended up really liking the song mm. and what's really funny is that we uh he played on the song backwards man and we that we had asked him to to play like a i think on just one section which was like 20 or 30 seconds long and he ended up doing like a uh three times the length going over all the the, the upcoming <laughs> parts and he was like yeah keep uh, keep what you like uh, and we we kept everything because it was so mind blowing but uh yeah, he, he did a lot more than he was asked to do. So yeah. that's amazing.
0: I actually listened to that album and that song in particular earlier today as well. And I have to say that the saxophone part on that is, is quite uh, amazing. So so And and then I was like, well, of course, you know, I, I listened to that album before and there's saxophone on it. So I wanted to go back and, and check it out now that the saxophone is uh, more prevalent on this new album. You know, uh, I, I wanted to ask about that, uh, the, the fact that, you know, now you play the, the saxophone and you, you talked about playing it in a live setting. Uh, are there any specific challenges that comes with that, you know, integrating the saxophone in a live setting with such, a, you know, uh, dense, complicated, layered sound, you know, on the album, it's, it's wanting, but, you know, doing it live, does that come with its own challenges?
1: Well, in terms of the sound itself, I don't think it was a particularly big challenge because uh, when I pick up the saxophone, I leave some space because there is only one guitar player left. So, in terms of the the whole sound oh, yeah. balance and everything, it's uh, it's it's quite quite well working, I think. Yeah. Uh, now, in terms of the challenges I was facing in the beginning, especially it was like switching instruments and being in the in the exact right mindset. In, the, in a matter of seconds, you know, because the, the saxophone parts are usually um, like quite short, like 30 seconds-ish. So if you, 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 you don't manage to get the, the first few seconds right, uh, it's really hard to, to catch up on that. But uh, now we've had a couple of uh, stage uh, workshops where yeah. we basically worked on our stage show and everything. And it's become more natural to me making the switch and everything. So now I really look forward to it.
0: Yeah, and and you know uh, that's going to be interesting to see you perform with the saxophone live on stage once you get out and start doing shows now. So, but of course you're first and foremost uh, the guitarist and and uh, the vocalist for for Fractal Universe. So what kind of inspirations and influences do you have as a guitarist and uh, what musicians have informed the way you play and also what ins- are your inspirations as a vocalist
1: well for the guitar um there have been a lot along the way i started the guitar at the age of uh, nine i think in the beginning i was influenced by uh, guitarists like uh richie blackmore from deep purple uh, that kind of dance yeah. and i s- i quickly switched to metal and one guitar player that has influenced me a lot in my teenage years was uh, Chuck Schuldiner from Death. And, oh, yeah. Uh, basically, that whole early death metal scene with also bands like uh, Cynic and Atheist, uh, all that shaped basically my teenage years. <laughs> and uh, as for now, guitarists I really love, especially uh, that influence a lot of my uh, solo playing, are Per Nielsen from Scar Symmetry, for oh, example.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah
1: or uh, guitars like Alan Holdsworth also and uh yeah there are so many like Rick Graham also who is an immensely talented guitar player so yeah there are really a lot of of stuff in terms of uh composition uh, I've been very influenced also by bands like Leprous or or uh, meshuga or mm. these kind of bands
0: yeah i, I, and, I have uh... yeah go ahead
1: yeah and you, you asked also about the vocals yes so of, of that, course yeah it's uh there are many singers i like uh many singers i I love like michael ochefeld from uh from opeth uh thorbeck from lepros uh, um, so many singers I, I enjoy but it's hard actually to uh to replicate what they are doing because of uh, i have a bass voice <laughs> and uh actually it's really hard to find uh bass voices in the music i listen to so uh it's sometimes a little bit frustrating to have to deal with your own vocal range when it's so different from the singers you you love, you know, and so you have to find your way around that and find your own ways of, of doing things and stuff. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, these just mentioned are definitely some of my favorites
0: you're you're speaking my language of course when you are talking about bands like death Cidic 80s all these like early earlier like progressive or technical uh, death metal and i do understand what you say about you know that voice and something that came to mind uh, is uh, Don swan from edge of sanity which is one of my favorite bands. And and this guy has a very bassy voice and does both cleans and uh, growls, you know? So maybe that's something (laughs) he's someone that, you know, you can identify more with than a lot of these very, you know, sopranos or like operatic singers that have a higher register.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely but i find it hard to uh to incorporate like a, a bass voice into uh, such a dance music as metal yeah. because usually in rock or metal most of the time at least uh the vocals sit like on top of the other instruments
0: you're right yeah. so
1: the balance is really different when uh, when you have a lower voice and that makes it that i end up most of the time always singing my higher register on the yeah. on the record at least for lead vocals and uh yeah so it's quite a challenge
0: and i guess that bass that bass more bass voice also competes with a lot of the other instruments in that lower reg- register right
1: yeah totally and i think you would really need to uh, to make some space for the vocals in that case maybe to uh to have less dance guitar lines or anything but uh so far i've found a way to to make it work yeah But uh, as I said, it's often at the top of
0: my register, so yeah, (laughs) so it's easy. So it's challenging, of course. Yeah. But I, you know, now I'm looking forward to hearing like a a bluesy, uh, next Fractal Universe album will be like a more bluesy, deep voice (laughs) vocals. It's (laughs) going to be, that would be interesting to hear. (laughs) You know, uh, I wanted to ask about something a bit different just because, uh, I, I find it interesting. You guys are, of course, active on social medias or whatever to promote your music, but I've seen you do a lot of Twitch stuff, uh, you know, uh, and engaging with fans on, on, on Twitch. So, uh, what is your thoughts on like social, uh, media to promote your music and to stay in touch with the fans in general and the, twat, the platform of Twitch, uh, how did you start using that and, and, and what's the benefits of it for you?
1: well as so for social media in general i think nowadays it's really an extremely important part of a band because it's uh especially in times like these in the pandemic it's our most direct and basically almost the only way to to connect with with fans yes and although i i'm not uh, i think if i wouldn't have the band i wouldn't be like active on social media or anything so it's really i think part of the job of of having a band exactly and uh and as for Twitch, actually, we started this uh, in the very first lockdown last year because uh, we thought it might be a great uh, substitute for live shows and a great way to to remain connected with, with people and to exchange with them. Like um, you can interact a lot in the chat, for example. And actually, um, I really enjoyed this and we try to we try to offer like a variety of of contents also play songs on twitch that we would not be able to fit into a live set or, oh, or something yeah. so that's something really really interesting you have to 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 get the dust off of all of these old songs that you've played live only a couple of times and uh, yeah it's it's a lot of fun
0: and it's a place for the super fans to like engage with the band right and and like you say, maybe get a taste of those some of those you know songs that you you guys don't perform so often
1: absolutely we have a like a core of super fans following us on on Twitch that are basically there almost every time, and it's i think it it has strengthened our relationship with them even more because we we talk to them on a weekly basis and uh, I think it it really helps.
0: And I guess also a lot of these people that you have almost made like acquaintances with through your music now through Twitch, they are going to be there on the front row when you guys go out and play again.
1: Yeah, I hope so. What's fun is that it uh, again it gathers people from all around the world. So yeah. uh, some people that uh, are on almost every Twitch show uh, have never seen the band live, have never met in person, and yet I have the feeling that I know them. So it's crazy. Well, I,
0: I guess that's uh, something that we uh, you know that a lot of bands discovered through the pandemic is that you know the. This uh, online presence with doing stuff like Twitch or you putting concerts on YouTube or streaming means that you also reach out to an audience that may not be able to see you guys play live so often or at all if they live in parts of the world where concerts just aren't happening.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And actually we have a, a streaming show planned as well uh, with the release of the record. So I of think course. this is going to be announced soon. But um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's actually a good addition and I hope this will uh, not stop after this whole pandemic. Uh, I mean, all these live stream concerts, because as you said, it's an opportunity for people all around the world to to witness some yeah. kind of a live show. Although it's not the same as being in a real concert or anything better. I I still think it's a nice addition and I hope this will continue after all of this.
0: You know, um, um, um I'm... fully in agreement with you. Uh, you know, us with the prog space, we did two online shows, online festivals last year, where we had so many great bands, uh, you know, do the festivals. And originally we were thinking that, you know, this is something that we will do as a stop gap until we, people can actually go out and see shows again. But just like you say, I feel like it's not a replacement it's a nice addition and i guess it's a great way for people who aren't able to visit so many gigs and festivals also to you know feel like they're part of something that's happening more or less if not live then at least an event that's happening live in a way
1: yeah and i mean there have always been like shows on youtube or on dvd and everything it's just i think a different experience better uh, not better not worse just different mostly
0: yeah. I agree. I agree. And the, the fact that you're joining up with other fans in the chat and there's discussion going on, you sort of feel like you're there or you're part of something intermediate while it's going on, you know. Uh, I, w- I want to move on to uh, your videos because uh, I was uh, watching the video for, I think it's the Clockwork Work Expectation, which was shot in a remarkable place. Uh, I'm probably going to butcher this. That because even if I live in France, my French is horrible, but Gouffre de Poudre, is that it? Gouffre the, the,
1: uh, de Poudre, <laughs> the yeah, poudre. Something yeah. Like that. yeah. Yes.
0: you got it pretty close, yeah. I'm, I'm trying, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> please tell me uh, about the video and the experience of shooting in that amazing location.
1: Well, yeah, it was truly amazing. And uh, actually I visited this place when I was a teenager, I think. And already back then, I was amazed by, by this place. And never would have imagined that I would come there to <laughs> to 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 make some metal inside of it later yeah. on. Uh, I
0: and guess so we got to basically. I guess we got to say for the people watching that this is a large natural cave, right?
1: Yeah, it's the na- largest uh, equipped cave in, in France, I think. So the largest that is uh, possible for uh, public to to visit, like without yeah. any equipment or anything. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, basically we just, um, wrote to them again. We didn't know what to expect if they would completely uh, reject the idea or anything, but they were kind of, kind of enthusiastic and, uh, oh. they didn't charge anything. It was like, they were totally on board with, with everything we, we proposed. So that was pretty cool. And then the shooting itself took two days. Um, the conditions were pretty extreme like it was seven degrees celsius uh, i think 90 percent of humidity there were like hundreds of stairs where we had to carry the, the, <laughs> the gear around and, yeah. and everything yeah but uh yeah it was magnificent and we had this whole place for us alone which is kind of amazing for two days we were alone with the team in that cave yeah uh, making music and when whenever uh, came out the drummer we would hit the drums you would have like a reverb lasting for 10 15 seconds uh which is kind of mind-blowing
0: it sounds like an amazing and experience we,
1: yeah in the beginning when we heard him play drums we were like how the hell are we gonna be able to perform <laughs> uh hearing what he's doing you know <laughs> yeah. but in the end it worked out just fine because we tried to mute the drums and everything so that uh
0: it was more it was manageable yeah 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 well, the video is awesome. And, you know, for if you want to watch that, anyone listening or watching it, it's it's on screen now and links will be in the this description. So so go over and watch that video for the, the it's, it's amazing. Uh, you know, um, your uh, 2020 and 2021 has been a challenging year for bands, especially with the fact that, performances has sort of disappeared and 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 now things are sort of slowly coming back under control and you mentioned you're gonna do a release party but uh also you did a residence uh, with uh, christian from gojira right so can you tell me a little bit about that experience and what you guys were working on with him to to bring to the stage
1: so yeah basically we again just contacted him and he was very keen to to do all of that i guess it's because all musicians are bored in times like these and he saw that as a great opportunity to uh, to maybe witness a, some kind of a live show and uh, <laughs> get in the in the feeling of live shows again so he was really enthusiastic during these uh three days i love that and uh yeah the the workflow was perfect he's a very nice and humble guy um really down to earth which was really amazing considering uh uh all, all four of us are big fans of the band yeah, of course and what we worked on is basically uh our upcoming show so we played the the songs for him and then he made like little remarks here and there beat about the sound because we worked there with our production teams in terms of sound and light as well. So he made like some little adjustments on the sound, on the lightings, on our stage presence, on the structure of our set, also, and a lot of little details. Uh, and that were really insightful, I think, especially coming from someone who has such a huge experience exactly. on the subject.
0: Yeah, someone who so is truly. He has toured the world and, like you say, he knows every little detail. So there's probably tons to learn from someone like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And actually, uh, he confided uh, he to us that he had never done that before, but uh, he couldn't really feel it. Actually, <laughs> it was a premiere for him, but he still managed to give extremely insightful uh, comments. He was also a really good teacher, I think. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he's uh, been able to do for you guys or help you guys with when you, you know, you move on to to doing some live performances. And, uh, you know, we are coming up on sort of the end part of the interview, but I want to ask then, you know, what are the upcoming plans? Uh, both, with, you know, promotion of the album and also, of course, uh, release party, going out, playing live. What are the upcoming op- options and opportunities for you now going forward with the uh, with the release of the impossible horizon
1: well we still have a lot of uh, video content planned uh, the third music video on its way and uh, some more playthrough videos and tutorial videos like we did with the last singles yeah so i think digital promotion is going to be very important still in this uh, in this year and as i mentioned we also have this live stream show live stream event that will be uh that will be announced soon. And apart from that, we are even going to play some real shows. Can you believe that? (laughs) We're going to play our release party. As you said, uh, it's going to be on July 3rd. So if you live in in Northeastern France, you can definitely attend that. Uh, We're going to play almost the entire album on that show. Plus some older stuff. So Mm. it's going to be a very special event. And for later on, we have a couple more shows scheduled in France uh, throughout the late summer, early fall so that's a good start playing france yes. and then we'll see we really hope to, to to be able to get on some more tours maybe to make it to north america whenever that's going to be possible but uh for now we can't be sure on anything oh, well, we just of course need to wait how things evolve and everything but we have a, a good team working out around the band that is going to be ready to jump in whenever things are going to get possible again
0: well it's going to be interesting anyway for anyone anywhere to be able to watch your release show uh, or your online, you know, uh, performance. And I'll make sure there are some links here now, if <laughs> the show has been announced by the time this video is out. So uh, finally, you know, I want to thank you so much, uh, Vince, for being here on the Prog talks with me, you know, everyone who's watching and listening, you know. The album will be out in a couple of days when uh, this uh, video releases. Until then, you should enjoy the singles that are out. Follow the band on their social medias. Watch them play on Twitch. And, you know, the album is available to pre-order through Metal Blade. The the guys have a band camp and, of course, their own website, which is fractaluniverseband.com, right? Exactly. Yes. So support them buy their shit and you know listen to the amazing stuff they're creating Uh, and of course if you are uh, if you like using streaming services i'm sure the album will be available on all of those as well thank you so much uh, vince for being uh, on the prog talks with me
1: well thank you it was a huge pleasure and i hope the people listening will really enjoy the record maybe we'll meet on on a show someday
0: well that's my hope as well i would love to see this album being performed live of course so uh, as always people thanks for listening and watching give us a like and a subscription if you enjoyed it you know it helps us out a lot and until next time stay safe keep spreading that prog love the prog talks produced by the prog space Main host, Runebensvik Reynos. Produced by Runebensvik Reynos, Vanessa and Matthias Kirsch. All graphics and animations by Vanessa Kirsch. Intro theme by Giuseppe Negri. Outro theme by Zach Munemis. This was the Prog Talks by The Prog Space. See you in a week.